this month has always it's all been about everyone has a story to tell so we wanted the kids to tell a story and so they uh we got a few of them that that were brave enough to get in front of the camera and we have that's going to happen all year long we're going to have testimonies uh, all year long from different backgrounds of people and about marriages about getting free from something uh you're going to bless you all year long but uh, before I get started, since this is Family Sunday, I started a tradition last Family Sunday, and it's sharing some kid jokes. Okay, so y'all ready, church? Yeah. Knock, knock. Yeah. Let's do that a little better together, like, okay? Knock, knock. Yeah. Tank. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. I like these. These are fun. Knock, knock. Owls go. Owls go. That's right. They go who? Yeah. You got that one. You could have said owls go who? Okay. Would have been better. This is a great one. Knock, knock. A little old lady. I didn't know you could yodel. A little old lady who? You know what the cross between a snail and a porcupine is called? A slowpoke. <laughs> and the last one, this is the worst one. Where do cows go on Friday night? Where? To the movies. Okay. <laughs> Y'all didn't even know that one. I'm s- seriously. Okay. You know, the Bible is filled with testimonies. That's really what it is. It's from beginning Genesis to Revelation. It's people. It's all these different people in the the Bible, and there's a story about them. And many of them go into detail. Many of them don't. Sometimes they're just mentioned for a little bit. Sometimes there's books written about them. But there's always, it's about their story. It's about their testimony, what they've shared and what we have receive when we read the Word of God, we understand, we, we get to know the, the people in the Bible, we get to know something about them, we get to know their character. And you know, some of the people in the Bible had great success stories, right? But not everyone in the Bible had a great success story, did they? Some of them, it was that their, their story ended in failure. And so what I want to share with you this morning is that your life is a story. Say, my life is a story. Now, you may never have your story written in a book. You may never be in a bestseller. You may never have your story told on video or given a video testimony. You may never have your story broadcast across the world as some people are when they give their testimony and they're famous for for whatever they've accomplished. You may never do that, but I want to tell you something. Somebody, they, they may not watch you on a screen or on television, but somebody is watching your life. Look at look at your neighbor and say, somebody's watching you. It may be your spouse, but it may be your... It, might, it amazes me how y'all get... That was funny. I don't know. But somebody is watching your life. And some, some people think, well, nobody cares about my life. Nobody's watching you, me. But they are. Somebody is watching your, your story unfold. And it unfolds day by day. It unfolds week by week. It unfolds year by year. Your, your story is unfolding. And you know the old saying is, you may be the only Bible somebody ever reads. Because if your life is lining up with the Word of God and you're living the Word of God, you're walking in, in obedience to the Word of God and somebody's watching your story, 
then they're, they're going to see the Word of God in you. And it should cause them to ask you about the Word of God in you, about Jesus in you, about Holy Spirit in you when they see your walk, because your walk, my walk, should not look like the walk of the world. It just shouldn't, church. So many times we have, we, have too, we have too many Christians, quote, unquote, Christians that look so much like the world that the people watching their lives don't see anything different about them. And to me, that just causes me to wonder how big is Jesus in you? How, how powerful is the Holy Spirit in you? So I want to talk this morning very briefly because I know we've got kids and they're, they're probably the colors are broken or they don't have the right color that they want. So this is... And I promise this won't be, let me see how much time I have. Okay, we're good. Uh, I want to tell a story about a family. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation this morning. Uh, this really, I started to title this, this sermon, uh, Eight Shuns, because I'm going to give you eight shuns this morning. The first shun is the anticipation, okay? So I've got eight shuns this morning, and I'm going to get through and get them quickly. Luke 8, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed, for they had been waiting for him to arrive. Before Jesus arrived, the stories about Jesus had arrived. You understand what I'm saying? Before he got to where he was going, everybody already knew, and he, had, he was already there in, in, in a way because they're like, man, have you heard about the miracles? Have you heard about the signs and wonders? He's feeding the people and the thousands with five loaves of bread and two fish, and he's walking on water, and he's, he's healing the blind, and he's causing the lepers to be clean, and he's just doing one, one amazing miracle after the other. So the word of Jesus, the celebrity Jesus, the famous Jesus, had reached, the, had reached this crowd, and they said, when Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed for they had been waiting for him to, to arrive. That's called anticipation. Anticipation. How many of you, if you think about it, if you're honest, how many of you had any kind of anticipation last night about what was going to take place this morning? How many had any kind of ex, you know, expectation that God was going to show up today and do something incredible, perform a miracle, or do something great that we may have never seen before? See, God expects us to have an expectation. He expects us to have an, invita- an anticipation that he's going to show up. If we're waiting for him to show up and he shows up, man, you're just like, I, I knew you were going to be here, Jesus. I knew you were going to show up. He loves it for the, he loves the fact that we love him to show up. There's a saying that you've heard in this church before, expectation is the, is the breeding ground for miracles. If you're expecting God to do something, guess what? He'll do it. But if you don't expect him to show up, he won't show up. If you're not looking for a miracle, you won't see a miracle. But God wants to do miracles in this world. He wants to do miracles in this church, in this building today. Do y'all believe that? Y'all have anticipation that he can do that. Okay? Verse 41, just then a man named Jairus, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. The second shun is desperation. Say desperation. desperation. Desperation will cause you to do things that you wouldn't normally do, right? Desperation will cause you to make a fool of yourself, maybe. Desperation will cause you to cry out when nobody else is crying out because, hey, my daughter is dying. Where is Jesus? I heard he was here. Jesus! I need, my daughter's dying. Can you come? Can you come to my house? She's, she's sick. He was a Jewish leader, church. 
He wasn't supposed to even be near Jesus. He didn't like Jesus. The people, the people of that day didn't, the, the Jewish leaders like they were distancing themselves from Jesus because he was one of them and he wasn't one of them. You know, he wasn't like the, the normal Jewish rabbi. He was, he was so far, far out there for their, their thoughts. And so he's thinking, well, you know, I don't know. People might think something of me if I go, but I'm desperate. Have you ever been desperate for Jesus? Have you ever been desperate for something? Did you make a fool of yourself in the process? Probably. Did you cry out when probably nobody else was crying out? Probably. Desperate people do desperate things. I want to ask you a question. What are you desperate for today? What are you desperate for today? What are you, what are you desperate for enough that you will fast? What are you desperate enough for that you will pray? What are you desperate enough for that you will, you will drop something else that was so important to you to, to press into something else that you're desperate to see God do? Maybe it's a prodigal. Maybe it's a husband or, or maybe it's one of your spouse. Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's something that you can't fix yourself. And you say, God, I'm just desperate for you. He's waiting for desperation to spring forth in you because you know when you're desperate, faith will rise up. Verse 49, while Jesus was still speaking to the woman. Let's just stop right there. See, on the way between those last, that last uh, crying out to Jesus and verse 49 Jesus was talking to the woman. You know what happened in the meantime? On the way to Jairus' house, this woman with the issue of blood comes up and she touches the hem of, of Jesus' garment. And he says, and, and she is healed immediately. She had been 12 years sick with a disease. 12 years. And Jesus heals her. And then he says, okay, God of your faith has made you well. And he said, and then he goes on. He's just like coming through this crowd. There's a mob of people around him. And he says, now I've got to get to Jairus' house. See, sometimes... We, we, we cringe at, the, at information. Let me, let, me, let me read the rest of the verse first. Jesus was still speaking to the woman. Someone came from Jairus' house and told him, that's information, there's no need to bother the master any further. Your daughter has passed away. She's gone. Information. That's the, the next shun. How many of you are good with information? Bad information. How many of you are good with bad information? When the bad information comes in your what, do you, what, what can happen when bad information comes? You get the bad report. You get the, you get the negative report. You get the, 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 the phone call that so-and-so has happened to so one, of your, so one of your loved ones. You get this bad information. What do we do as Christians? What are we supposed to do as Christians? Man, we're, we're, we cannot let the bad information dictate our response. But so many times we do. I mean, I think we're all guilty of it because sometimes it's just the shock of the information. It's just the shock of it. You can come into agreement with the bad information or you can say, God, I need to pray about this. What are you trying to do in, this, in, the, in the midst of this, this situation, this bad information I've gotten? Our response to bad news, listen, I'm going to tell you, you really need to be cautious about your response to bad news. Because at that moment, if you get bad news, you can be negative, defeated, traumatized, and doubt and worry. You can just open the, open the door to doubt and unbelief to come in. You can. It's your choice. Or you can go, okay, God, I know you've got this. I, I know. Listen, we heard the bad information this morning. I've heard it all week, bad information. 
And I can either, well, God, I don't even know what you're doing. God, I guess, you, I guess you've just given up on humanity. You just don't care about us anymore. I could say that in my flesh. You ever feel like saying that? Something happens to one of your, one of your besties, and, and you, they were good people, and something really bad, a horrible accident happens to them or something, and you're just like, God, I don't get that. Why, why weren't you there? Or you say, God, I thank you that you're here. God, I thank you that you are in charge. I thank you, God, that you have the last word. Father, I thank you you've given me the faith to pray and to press in right now. I thank you, Lord, that I am not going to respond and receive the doctor's report and say, oh, I guess I just have so many days to live. I have so many months to live. I have so many years to live. No, we say, I'm going to go. I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord until he calls me home. So we give in to the, the enemy all the time when, he, when we get the bad reports and God says, no, I'm the, I'm the author of salvation. I am the great healer. I am the great physician. I am Jehovah Rapha. What are you doing with the information that's coming your way? Are you allowing it to turn you away from God or toward God? Verse 50, when Jesus heard this, he turned to Jairus and he said, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me, and she will live again. The fourth thing is the de- the fourth shun is the declaration. The declaration. Uh, don't you love what what Mary Lou was teaching this morning about the kids, talking to them about their fear? Listen, we don't have to yield to fear. You know, and, and we don't have to. Bl- so many times we get so religious. Well, I'm not afraid of anything. Listen, it's okay to have fear. It's an emotion that God put within us. It's what you do with that fear that makes the difference. It's if you're going to yield to it or you're going to stand in, in faith or you're going to plant your feet solidly on the, on the solid rock that, that Latonia was talking about, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Are you there? Are you on the waves that go, oh, back and forth and back and forth and you're, and you're double-minded and you don't know what to believe and when to believe it and when to, when to confess and when not to confess and God said, wait, 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 stand. Have faith in me, and she will live again. Do not yield to fear. That word yield means don't give way to it. I'm, I don't like snakes. Man, when some of them, one of the kids said rattlesnakes, I said, yeah, that's, that's me. But I'm not going to not do, go somewhere because there might be a snake in the pasture. You know, I'm not going to yield to fear. God says, have faith. In me, trust me, not in the fears that have overwhelmed you in the past. How many of you have a, a phobia? These kids are honest with their phobias. How many have a phobia? You know, phobia just means fear. Fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear of whatever it is, fill in the blanks, fear of, you know, whatever. If you've got a fear today, I wanna, I wanna, we're going to pray at the end of this service, and we're going to give those fears to God today. Those phobias, God said, God, I, I know I've been, I battled that before, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stand. I want to believe. Here, here, this man is, gets, he gets the worst news of any, any news uh, uh, a dad could ever get. Your daughter's dead. She didn't make it, Jairus. Jesus, you don't really need to go to the house. Kind of reminds me of the story of Lazarus, you know? Jesus just waited and waited. See, sometimes we want that quick. We want Jesus to get there and do it, what he's supposed to do right then. And sometimes he says, just just hang on. Just have some faith. Just trust me in the process. Make a declaration. 
Remember, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Begin to stand up to those fears and say, no, mm-mm, you're not going to have me. You're not going to have me in Jesus' name. Verse 51 says, what, when they arrived at the house, Jesus allowed only Peter, John, and Jacob, which is also the name for James, along with the child's parents to go inside. The fifth shun is contamination. Say contamination. contamination. How many of you like crime dramas? Yeah, I do too. I, I, like, I like crime dramas. And you know when, the, when there's a crime, they call in the... They call in the, the the, the crime unit, what do they call the CPS? What, not the CPS. CSI. Well, CPS maybe. Uh, CSI. Too many initials. All right. Uh, and they, they, rope, they rope off the area, right? And they say, do not come into the crime scene. Do not contaminate the crime scene. Man, they got to put gloves up, mask on, and gloves on their feet. I guess they're called gloves on your feet. And, and you're covered, and they, they just put, you know, look like space, they look like astronauts going into the scene because they don't want the scene contaminated, right? They don't want the evidence messed up. And so Jesus says, okay, when, when, when we get there, don't, don't, they had mourners there. They had professional mourners. How many of you like to get paid for that? I know that a lot of people that are just crybabies, you could get paid for mourning. <laughs> ah, ah, who is that? I don't know. I'm getting a dollar twenty-five an hour to cry. You know, they... They just had mourners. They had mourners at funerals. They were professional mourners. And so they, they come on the scene, and the little girl, they've already pronounced her dead. It says, when they arrived at the house, that Jesus said, okay, Peter, James, John, and mom and dad, y'all come in. One, one translation said he pretty much kicked everybody else out. Get out of here. I don't want you to contaminate this scene of faith. I don't want you to contaminate where faith is. I don't want you to come in here with your doubt and unbelief. How many of you know that we have people around us that are just full of doubt and unbelief? We have people that are just naysayers. Well, I wouldn't pray that one. That ain't going to happen. Man, you've got those people that are always coming against whatever God's telling you to pray. And they, they, they look at you like you've got two heads. Like, what, are you crazy? You're praying for them? Jesus didn't want any naysayers to contaminate the room. He wanted people of faith. He also wanted mom and dad who were believing that their daughter, man, when he said she's not dead, she's just asleep. Can you imagine mom and dad going, I don't know what everybody else is saying, but I'm listening to him. I'm listening to Jesus. That's my daughter in there. You may have already given up on her, but that's my daughter. And the world may give up on your kids, but you better not give up on your kids. You might have naysayers around you as well. I knew they would go back to that. But you don't have to come into agreement with that. Don't let, don't let evil company corrupt good habits, the Bible says. Don't let that evil company come in and corrupt your faith or contaminate your faith. Matthew 18, 19 says, this is one of my wife's favorite verses. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And then he goes on to say, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Peter, James, John, Mom, Dad, y'all come on in. Jesus could have done it by himself, understand? He wanted to show them how to do it. He wanted a witness. 
He wanted them to see. He, especially, I think he wanted Peter, James, and John to, come on, guys, follow me. You know, there's not many references to, matter of fact, there's only two references to healing or raising from the dead in the rest of the New Testament, and it was Paul and Peter, not, not James or John, but it was, it was uh, Paul when he raised Eutychus, the, the, you know, the guy that got bored with his sermon and fell out of a three-story window, <laughs> and boom. Paul stops preaching long enough to go raise him from the dead and then goes back and finishes the sermon. Man, that's, that's a guy that's determined to finish his sermon. What? He died? Stop. I'm going to be down there. We're not stopping without an invitation. So Paul went down and laid his hand on Eutychus. And uh, then Peter, uh, Peter uh, went and prayed for, uh, what was her name? Tabitha. He raised Tabitha from the dead. So he was showing them, he was giving them a picture. He was showing them, this is how I do it. Follow me, guys. Do what I do. Okay, verse 52. Jesus told those left outside who were sobbing and wailing with grief. These were the professional mourners. Can you just imagine him going up? Stop crying. (laughs) Stop. Stop. What are you crying for? This is not a funeral. She's not dead. She's just asleep, and she must be awakened. And they laughed at him. Hmm. Knowing for certain that she had died. The sixth shun is your reputation. Reputation. Say reputation. Reputation. When I... I've heard faith spelled R-I-S-K before, risk. And sometimes when we're called to do something extraordinary and pray in an extraordinary way, there's a risk to our reputation. Where's the boots on the ground that went to the ER last night? You guys stand up. Stand up. Y'all are crazy. Y'all are crazy. I can't believe y'all believe that God would do anything at the ER. See, y'all could hear that and go, well, I guess we won't do that anymore. Pastor thinks we're crazy. Y'all, y'all getting my drift? Don't let people say, what are, what's wrong with you people? And if they do say, what's wrong? And say, well, Jesus is what's wrong with this. <laughs> we got messed up by Jesus. Why are you here? Because he told us to go. I, mean, I thank you guys for doing that. Amen. What? You, you just, you're risking, hey, you're making us look bad. Who are those? Where are y'all from? Freedom Fellows. I knew it. I knew it. Nobody else come down to the yard and pray like that. It had to be that crazy bunch from Freedom Fellowship. I got a microphone. It was, it, was, it was mostly Jane, I believe, when um, the security came out to tell us we needed to, to move. But um, Jane had a, had a good um, word with them. But I was saying, once they ended up leaving, one of the security stayed back. And so I, I told her, we're not only here for the people in the hospital, we're here for y'all too. So I ended up 
praying and ministering to her, and she rededicated her life as well. You crazy people. The Bible says we're crazy. It uses the word peculiar, but, you know. Think about this. This is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's walking into the room amidst laughter. Can you believe what he's doing? She's dead. Doesn't even know what dead looks like. And they begin to laugh at him. See, the world's laughing at believers today that have radical faith. The world laughs at us. But that should not stop us. That should just fuel the fire. That should just fuel the fire. I remember when uh, Mary Lou and I told people we were going into the ministry. We were going to start a church. And you talk about our reputation. We, we had a pretty good reputation up till then. What do those people know about running a church? Why do they need to buy, you know, he never pastored a church. Well, you're not a preacher. Why you know, they, the naysayers were just like this. And then it got worse when, when, when he had a guy ask us, he was a member where we used to go to church. He said, where, where are you going to start your church? Where, where's your church going to be? And this is when we didn't even have a building. I said, I don't know. We're going to be downtown. <laughs> and he looked at me like, are you kidding me? Are you just not, are you just that dense, Harold? Everything's going out west. You know, got to go out west. And I was, he said, why would you do downtown? I said, because God told me to. God told us to. One time we were at a, at a, at a shower, a baby shower. No, it was a, it was a wedding shower. And this, people that we knew from our former church, they, they came up and asked Mary Lou, well, what are y'all doing now? She said, well, I, you know what? I don't, really don't understand where we're going and all that, but I just know we're going to have a miracle ministry. She just <laughs> comes right out of her mouth. And like, Baby, don't tell them that. They don't think we're crazy. See, if, you, if you're worried about your reputation, then, man, you're thinking of the wrong thing. You need to worry more about what God thinks about you than what people think about you. And, and it can be your Christian brothers and sisters. Remember last week I said the accused of the brethren, sometimes it's not Satan. Sometimes it's Christians. Verse 54, almost done. Then Jesus approached the body, took the girl by her hand, and called out with a loud voice, My sleeping child, awake, rise up. The seventh shun is demonstration. Say demonstration. demonstration. Bill Johnson said this once, and I love it. He said, Jesus ruined every funeral he attended, including his own. <laughs> and really, you just go read it. Anytime there's somebody that died, get up, you know. And then he died, got up, you know. Just ruined it. He wasn't good for the funeral business. <laughs> the thing about it is the, the world is hungry for the supernatural. The world, I'm saying. Not, I'm not saying the Christian. The world is hungry for the supernatural. Y'all understand that? And I'm probably going to offend some of you. It's okay. You can just repent. <laughs> the world is hungry for the supernatural and the the devil is quick to accommodate the people that are hungry for it. 
Why do you think we have so many movies now about witchcraft and witches and spells and vampires and horror stuff? Because they're hungry for it. Oh, that, that looks good. I want that. Why do you think they're selling books at Sam's and Walmart about how to put a curse on somebody or put a spell on somebody for our children? I don't really give a rip what Disney thinks. And I'm, I know this is going to be offensive to you, but sometimes, but listen, Disney is promoting a lot of this crud. Can we right along? <laughs> but I got the Disney Channel. I'm not saying all of Disney's bad, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they're promoting a lot of things that for our children that are not for our children. But again, it goes back to our, our, our kids, our teenagers. They want the supernatural. And we're not showing them the supernatural because we serve a supernatural God. If anybody ought to be demonstrating supernatural, it ought to be us. Because we, 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 we know God. God knows us. We're his. He's ours. Listen, and we, we, he said for us to lay our hands on the sick and they would recover. He said, and listen, we had word knowledge. Aaron had a word of knowledge a couple of weeks ago about, about uh, um, migraines. And Bianca comes up here. I've been healed of migraines because of a word of knowledge. That's supernatural power. That's a demonstration of power. When Mary Lou prayed for Buck, uh, that, uh, the guy from the uh, Hyde Park Baptist Church, a few weeks ago, and he said, well, I can't move my shoulder. I was, in- I was injured. I'm going to have to have surgery. He said, would you mind if we pray for your soul shoulder? And he said, no, go right ahead. So we prayed for him. And then she said well, uh, she was trying to be cautious because he wasn't charismatic. He wouldn't feel with the Holy Ghost. And she said, okay, just Buck, you think you can raise it just a little bit? And he went, oh, let me try. And he goes like this. And he goes, whoa, hey. I'm arms, my shoulder's healed. And he went back and he told the whole church, the largest Baptist church in Austin, he got up and gave his testimony about this little church in San Angelo, Texas that prayed for his shoulder and for this, little, this lady that prayed for his shoulder and he was healed. And because he was healed, the pastor began to believe in healing and the pastor's knee was healed supernaturally by God and now we're connected to them. We're having a prayer movement. It's, it's the demonstration. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined that not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul was saying it is not that complicated. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's where our faith has got to be. He said, this is what I'm preaching. But he said, I, I can give you all the words. But when we show you, it's a lot more, it's, it comes home a little bit quicker. It comes home a little bit more forcefully when you see it happen. Listen, guys, we won't see it happen if we don't believe it will happen. We won't see it happen if we won't exercise faith and demonstrate faith by laying our hands on the sick. Speaking to those things that be not as though they were. Declaring some things. Believing some things. And finally, Luke uh, uh, 55. Instantly. Say instantly. instantly. Instantly her spirit returned to her body and she stood up. Jesus directed her stunned parents to give her something to eat and ordered them to tell no one what happened. The last shun is restoration. Say restoration. restoration. 
God is in the restoration business. He's in the restoration business. I wish it was always instantly. Don't you? I don't know why it isn't always instantly. I mean, I know there are a lot of factors that come into play when we pray for somebody. Sometimes it's their faith, sometimes it's our faith, sometimes it's we're just not, we didn't hear the voice of God and we prayed out of order. Uh, we, we, you know, it says we, we, we don't get what we pray for because we ask amiss and we're doing it for the wrong way. There's a lot of reasons why it doesn't happen instantly, but I'm still going to believe that God's the God of instantly. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. You didn't say, Go do all this so we could say how good you are, how awesome you are, or that you could, you know, if you will give us $50, we'll, we'll send you a prayer blanket anointed with oil. Yeah, no, mm-mm. no, it's about him. It's about his glory. You don't, you don't heal anybody anyway. He does. He's just looking for somebody that's willing to say, okay, you can use my hand, Lord. <laughs> right? Why do you put on your hair? You don't have any hair. Yes. Sure. I had a coworker about a few weeks ago. He was having health issues, and he came up to me and he was telling me about his health issues, and he was having problems with his heart. And he went to the doctor and said, "You're gonna have to have a stent or a pacemaker." So he went to get a second opinion. The the other doctor said, "You're gonna have to have a heart stent." So I came up to me, and he's like telling me, and he looked really defeated. And I said, well, let's pray. Let's pray. And he looked at me like, okay, I guess I'll try it. And then uh, we prayed, and we said that, you know, you're healed. Don't accept what the doctors say, because we have the ultimate doctor in heaven. He has a last say. And we prayed, and that, later that week, he took off work to have the surgery. He showed up to the doctor's office, and uh, there was nothing wrong with him. He didn't have to have the surgery. So he was healed. We, like Pastor said, we just have to be the willing vessel. Lay our hands. You never know what's going to happen just because I was obedient to pray for him. And I hesitated, but thank God that I prayed for him because now he doesn't have to have that surgery. and He's living whole and healthy. And thank you, Jesus, for the blessing. That's awesome. Thank you, Jeremiah. And we have lots and lots of stories like that. But I want lots and lots of more stories like that. I want to see stage four pancreatic cancer healed, cured. ALS healed, cured. Cancer that is spread all over one lady's body in this church, which used to go here. I want to see it healed. I don't think we need to settle. I said, well, I'm going to go this week by and by. I mean, that might be the plan. I mean, especially if you're over 80, because the Bible doesn't really promise us. Well, 
Some people said promises is 120 years, but so I'm I'm just barely I'm in my midlife. Y'all stand up. Y'all stand up. Thank you, Jeremiah. I mean, I could we could foul people by here to give testimonies of healings, restorations. But I can tell you one. Here's 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 one you need to get. Really, really. You need to get this one. When I said instantly, she was healed. If you're lost today, then the Bible says you're dead. The Bible says you're dead in your transgressions or your sins. And it also says that Jesus Christ is, is life. He is the light of the world. You can be instantaneously raised from the dead when you say yes to Jesus Christ. That's the greatest miracle. I remember Don Babbin, you say, well, I don't want to pray for people to get healed and then them not get saved and they just get healed and go to hell. <laughs> I'm healed. <laughs> I'm in hell. No, he said, I want to pray for people to be healed, whole. And it begins with your soul. It begins with your heart. It begins with those. It begins with the Spirit of God coming and making residence in your spirit, 